normal then this is not the show for you please go somewhere else this is wyrd if it's getting weird it's got to be the weird mountain gals show you're listening to byron and alicia the weird mountain gals So, so maybe we need to progress. Ain't, ain't the truth. Ain't it the truth? It is. Yeah, my late night, late night thoughts have been sending me into sci-fi land a lot lately. You know, and yeah. the best ideas come from sci-fi land, in my opinion. And well, I've been in. Uh, I've been in the woods in, in my dreams. Almost every night, I'm in the woods. And I'm either following a trail or I start off following a trail. And then, uh, then I go, huh, 
what's that over there? And then I just take off off the trail, which is just exactly what I do in the woods. <laughs> so it's not in the dreams. It's not unusual. It's just funny that it's like night after night I am in. It's almost always woods that I know mm-hmm. so that I know, oh, what's coming up now is that little stunted tree that I don't know how it's still alive, but it is. Or what's coming up now is that little creek. So I hope it's not too big that I have to wade through it instead of jumping over. You know, all that crazy stuff. So I don't know what that means exactly, but it's very comforting. It I I think that it means I think that this is Byron's way of taking care of yourself. Maybe consciously. But because I know how it feels when you get back out in the woods, even if you haven't been there for a while, it's like it's like water in the desert. Exactly. And it's like home sweet home. Home sweet home. And it's also the place where you Yeah. Yeah. I love it. When people say things like, oh, do you go in the woods? Oh, it's so scary. It's like I have never been in any woods anywhere where I was scared about anything. I was startled when I was about 10 years old because my cousin's husband um, was saying, now you be careful in them woods because it's copperhead season now. And uh, and if you're not careful, and and is it copperheads or rattlesnakes that smell like cucumbers? I always get it. Copperheads or rattlesnakes. I've heard it both ways. That And I walked into this little glade, the mountain where I grew up on. I was always up on the mountain by myself. And I walked in, it was so pretty that I went, and when I inhaled, it was all cucumbers. And I thought, well, I guess I'll turn around and head home. (laughs) But that was more, I wasn't scared so much as I was startled. Yeah. It was like, oh, he's just talking about this. I guess that means snakes. Maybe I'll turn around and go back. (laughs) Well, we do have an inordinate amount of copperheads in this area. I mean, we and I talk to snake people and I'm always saying, you know, copperhead, they're just, they seem to be just ill, <laughs> you know, the least little thing will set them off and then you get a bite. And, and when I've hiked, um, rattlers will, they'll show themselves to you and they'll make it, they'll make a sound. It's like, don't come over here. Yeah. No, just don't, don't come over here. Mm-hmm. And you can go, huh, look, there you are. I think I'm going to go in the opposite direction of where you are. <laughs> Thank you for the warning. But I mean, a copperhead will just lay there looking like a stick in the in the dry leaves yeah. until you step right near it. And then it's like, what What are you doing here? Get out. Yeah. Well, Thanks. you know, there's a couple of things come into my brain. And that thing, number one, is this time of year out in the woods is not so bad. Because, you know, I've said it before, but the skeeters are gone. The biting insects are are most, the flying biting insects are mostly gone. Yep. The snakes Snakes are sleeping. They're they're dormant. Now there's snakes that'll be out in the weather for whatever reason. I don't know, but a a small, you will occasionally come across them. And the nice thing though, is there's so many dry leaves that you can hear them. And mm-hmm. if you can hear any snakes or anything going through the woods, no matter how, qu- how quiet they might try to be, I guess. Um, and even if you do get close to them, they're going to move really slower than usual because of the cooler weather. And that's I, the truth, too. Um, they 
when it gets really cold, they just want to curl up in a ball if they can. So if you see them outside this time of year, most likely they're headed over to some concrete or a stone that's mm -hmm. after the sun. Yep. Yeah. Exactly and, right. And so that's that's something that I think about, you know, and when you're talking about being in the woods this time of year, uh, it's easier to find you if you get lost. That's another thing. Yeah. Because sound sound acts differently in the woods. But then just personally, the woods have a personality. To me, when I was a child, I was out in the woods a lot. You know, I spent a lot of time out in the woods. And those woods, they they have their own personality. And when you get used to them, you can kind of tell when they don't want you around. When it's time to get out, you can tell. But as far as being afraid of being out in the woods, I've had people ask me that too. And it's like, oh, hell no. I'm much more afraid of living in a city than living out in the woods. Oh, gosh, me too. Yeah, you I mean, live a lot worse that can happen to you in the city, including, well, I will say, bears. Because a number of times, I mean, I grew up out in the country. So for 18 years of my life, and if I was high, if I was up on the mountain or up on the land from the time I was five on, which I'm guessing is true. Mm -hmm. um, so that's 13 years. I, and I saw a bear one time, one time. And I live downtown and I see bears, well, all the time. Not right now because they're sleeping, but yeah. Although I think there's been one out and about in Asheville. I saw something on a Facebook page, but I mean, it's not the normal, what I say is the new normal uh, amount of bears that you see. You're right. You do see them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm I'm not scared about bears because I'm sensible about wild animals. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, they don't want to see you any more than you want to see them. Although I I love getting a glimpse of them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to. No, and, and they don't want to have to run away from you and waste precious mm -hmm. calories. Right. I mean, so, I mean, if you get between a, a mama and her cub, whatever the species is, you are likely to have some trouble. But <laughs> I was thinking of a one syllable word. Rhymes with <laughs> dry. <laughs> you are likely to what? <laughs> I'm to I'm I'm telling you, people I think are way more dangerous than any animals. Absolutely. I think sure if I lived in a place that regularly had visits from cougars, mountain lions, catamounts, whatever you want to call them, painters. I grew up calling them painters. Painters. Um I I would be very cautious about that. Because I mean they're a they're an alpha predator and they wouldn't mind taking my skinny ass down and eating me. Yeah, if they were you don't have a hard shell that they have to bite through, you know. I ain't got a hard shell. I ain't got no claws. I ain't, I ain't got teeth worth nothing. So, yeah, <laughs> I sure as hell couldn't bite one. Well, the way you say it, it's like that poor painter, he ought to just send you on back. Just, nah, not this one. She ain't got, <laughs> it's no. ain't got much to it. <laughs> they would never, ta never take me in the army, would they? Nope. Like, damn. You it ain't much to you, woman. Well, you know, I agree with you about the panthers, and but I still would take the woods full of panthers before I would live take the city full of humans. Uh, yes, 
Definitely, definitely, definitely. And yep. we used to hear them when I was growing up. We would hear painters. Ugh. Um, not, I mean, not often, but what but a, that was, you know, that was in the sixties and seventies. What if you've never heard one? If it, it, I don't care who you are, what a badass you might be. The first time you hear one out in the wild, you're gonna be, you're gonna get shivers from your head to your toes. You're going to get chills, at least. I mean, it's not a sound that sounds like it's from this world. <laughs> well, and, and we should be that way about wolves howling. But we've gotten so kind of domesticated to wolves and yeah. we want to say wolves and all that stuff. But, I mean, there was a time when if you heard a wolf howl, you hoped that your big old dogs were taking care of the sheep or the goats or whatever to keep them safe. And you were glad you were in the house because you yeah. didn't want to be out there. I, you're right. People don't respect them as much as maybe they should. I'm semi guilty of that because wolves don't usually occur to me out in the woods. I mean, I more than just a casual way. I don't make right. any plans to see a wolf in other words, but right. Or a panther. Um, but now bear, yes. Deer, yes. The common stuff, yes. But and a bear will still, it'll eat you. You've seen that meme where it's got the, the or maybe it's a Twix commercial or something, where it's got the one, one scene where the two campers are sitting on a log beside each other and they've got a Twix and they're saying, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's the left side or the right side. They're both crunchy outside and chewy good inside and then next frame you see the two bears beside each other looking down at the two campers sitting on the log together and they're saying hey it doesn't really matter if you take the one over <laughs> <and check the other." laughs> well i think a bear would have to be pretty hungry to attack a human to eat i mean a brown bear our bears now grizzly would happily do that but I think they'd have to be pretty hungry and pretty desperate to do that. You know what I think they are is acclimated at this point. Around here, bears yeah. are getting acclimated to humans and humans to bears, but bears to human specifically, they associate humans with food source. Yeah. Wherever the humans are. People goes. are so careless. People are so damn careless. Yeah. And so they may not think about eating the human, but they, wherever the human is, there's usually something yummy. And, you know, I told you that story about my my friend who went camping in Mills River by himself. Oh, yeah. And he didn't have a, he had a bike, not a car, and bicycle. And, yeah, one night a bear got into the campground. And as he was standing up in the tent trying to figure out what to do, being woke up out of a sleep, he puts his he hears the bear kind of trying to get into the tent and he, I guess he puts his hand back behind him in, he's still inside the tent and he puts it right in the bear's mouth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I guess it scared the bear and, and I guess it scared him and he, he ran out of the tent and got on his bike and he drove about eight miles to get to the way to get to a house that of someone that he knew to get to his brother's house. And because he was just, I guess, flying on adrenaline at that point. 
but wow, I mean, and I the gal Hendersonville used to have uh some bears that were somehow connected with travel and tourism, or it could be that the way I heard it, it was one of the bears up around um let me think little Switzerland maybe anyway something oh. to do with travel and tourism and she had told me a story about putting her hand in the bear's mouth by mistake and the bear didn't bite it they were both surprised <laughs> you know, so. what they got, they got some big old teeth and claws I'll tell you that yeah you know one way and one thing that's left Appalachia mountain at least the mountains here since we were kids that I'm glad to see gone is the the bear pits and stuff. Oh no, that was terrible. It was terrible. terrible. It was but back we, in the day. I mean, as humans, we've been mistreating bears for a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, they used to use live animals as roadside attractions to get the tourists to come in and buy their wares. They'd, they'd, they'd have a bear that danced, but the bear would live his life out in a little cage or or they'd have a big pit dug in the ground and the bear would live his life out in a pit that he couldn't get out of. Yeah. And people would, and then of course they'd have big old signs along the road saying, stop here and feed the bear or stop here and see a real live bear, et cetera, et cetera. And people would stop. And it was it was cruel. Sometimes they'd keep them in cages, whatever. They also would do that with peacocks. Uh, there used to be a fella a couple of counties over who would have dancing chickens. And the reason that the chickens were dancing, though, is because they were standing on a hot plate. Yeah, that's terrible. They, yeah, terrible. It, was awful. it was awful. It was really awful. And I'm sure there was a lot of other stuff like that that my mind is blanked out. But uh, yeah, we well, we well rooster rooster fighting and dog fighting and dogs dog baiting and all that yeah. stuff that was that was and is still a big thing culturally. It, I guess so. I haven't heard of one lately, but I also don't run with that crowd. No, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm happy to say that I don't run with that crowd, and I know that there are other areas of the country that have had things like this go on. I just can't speak about them because I don't personally know them. I don't have any real knowledge, but I know what went on here. I was, yeah. I was around for it. And, and you and I are, we are big fans of the culture that we come from. Yeah. And you know, everybody knows that everybody knows that, but it's not a perfect culture. No, it's never been a perfect culture. And so, you know, I'm I'm happy to speak out against the stuff that is just, it's wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's been going on for 100 years or 150 years, it's still wrong. Right. Not every tradition is worth keeping. Exactly. And, and beginning of wisdom is knowing which things to cut out. Yeah. But, you know, we, there is something that I wanted to talk about today, kind of along those lines, because I see less of it. And, and it's harder to talk about because there's not really a good description that I have of it, but it's, it's a certain attitude that we used to have more of back in the day. And it's kind of a, I can do this. We can do this kind of attitude. And it would generally the folks that I knew that would have that attitude would be, you know, women who had to live alone 
for whatever reason, or maybe it was a family trying to make it on a farm or something like that. So generally it was folks who didn't have a lot of money, but it was an attitude of, we got this, we can figure this out, even if it's brand new and we'll be all right. And, and that kind of attitude, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, there was no expectation of a, Hey, the government's going to give me something or somebody needs to come here and fix this or yeah yeah there I mean it was this is this is what's happened and let's just fix it let's just get to it and, and, and let's hard. work together let's work together to fix it yeah so well, that's exactly like, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be completely independent I'm on this is a terrible tragedy and I'm gonna handle it is that people lived in communities even if it was a rural community where your nearest neighbor was three miles away there was still a sense that we kind of looked out for each other. And I mean, I find that still sometimes I do. It's not completely gone, but I'm, I'm telling you the life, the, the life has been sucked out of a lot of Appalachia. It and has. it just, the, the spirit is, is gone. The resilience. I mean, we used to be just like you were saying, we used to be the kind of people that presented with a problem they might cobble together a solution that wasn't going to last more than a little while, but they would cobble one together. Yeah. And what they wouldn't do is expect somebody else to fix it. They no. didn't have that expectation that, oh, well, it's it's their problem because it's my problem. They, you know, they, there was a, I don't know, independent is, is a good word, but it doesn't really describe it correctly because there was a sense of, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, the world, the word I use for it is resilient. There was a, there was a resilient quality to the people who lived here. That was and still, still true somewhat. But yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot has happened. A lot has happened, and well, we got to figure out how to get that resilience back because, because our younguns, the generations that came after us, are suffering. Yeah. And they're suffering because they feel like they've got no, they can't fix it. They don't well, know how to fix it. Well, I, a lot of it, I think, is because they've never seen it modeled to them. Exactly. Just, That's exactly it, right. It has a lot to do with it. But it doesn't mean that they can't decide how they're going to be and then work at it and get there. The I was thinking about exactly what you were saying. It's like, okay, well, it's 2024. If it was 1924 or 1824, and it was this day in January, what would I be doing? And how, you know, what would I be, how would I be going about it? And so what my thought was, was, you know, when things are rough, and you don't have a lot of technology, and you still have to survive, a lot of your time gets put into getting food, making sure it'll last through the winter, finding places for it, making sure you're going to be warm, making sure you're going to have enough to drink water, potable water, and, and things of that nature. And then, you know, 50, 100 years later, everybody's got electric blankets and the internet, and we don't think of that stuff. We don't worry about food because even if, even if we lose our electricity for a few days, it'll melt, and then we'll, we'll get some food. So, and if it doesn't, then, you know, somebody's helicopter will fly over and drop some down to us. And that would be the worst case scenario. Well, do you see how 
crazy that would sound to somebody a hundred years ago? Well, because when you say a hundred years ago, what would you have been doing? Well, I probably would have been knitting, knitting. in the evening, like I'm knitting right now. Yeah. And we would have had to make sure there was a low kind of a, a smoky fire in the smokehouse because you would have been smoking, still uh -huh. smoking the meat that you had okay. killed, either the hogs you had butchered in October, November, or the venison where somebody in the family had gone out and got a deer. Or the bear. <laughs> or a bear, exactly. Or the boar. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it was. Yes. So, yes, it would have been all about uh, food and survival, Mm -hmm. But it would not have been about farming. So most of what you would be doing would be in the house or in a building. So if you were keeping the smokehouse going, you would you'd go out to the smokehouse. It'd be warm in there. Smell good. Smell real good. But you wouldn't have to be out doing hard graft, um, you know, hoeing and digging and delving and all that stuff. So yeah. in a way, winter was easier. Because you had to just focus on surviving the winter. You 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 might be right about that. I mean, probably physically, I'm sure it was a lot harder. The thing is, there was a mental place that you were at, and that mental place was I'm I'm in the act of of preparing to survive hard times, and that's valid today. You see, people who who tell me. Well, why are you trying so hard to preserve these things? They're not they're not worth anything. They're just memories. We don't need to worry about killing deer because we're never going to do that again as a society. It's like, okay, you're right. I'll, I'll I'll give them that. Maybe we're at this place where where we're not going to go back to the way it used to be without electricity and so on and so forth. But but the need to survive is still here within the species. And the ability to do so, well, we don't know if we can or not. We know that our ancestors did. So how is it that they did it? And it was, again, it was an attitude because you have to be prepared and you, you have to know, know what you, or you want to know what to expect. And then you follow through with it. So when it comes to food in 2024, we may not be hunting down our meat but that doesn't mean that we can't plan for harder times and do it in a way that works in our society, in our life today. And so it's this, it's an attitude is what I'm getting at. It, it is an attitude. And one of the things I, I promised myself this year was that I would complain less and whine less about things because we, I mean, we, we complain about, Oh, it's cold. Well, you know what? It's January. It, we want we want it to be cold. Because if it's not cold in January, and if it's not cold in February, and if we don't get any snow, it lowers the water table. And we're going to be eat up with bugs? And the insects, exactly. Insects that usually die because of the cold, all of that stuff. The whole process that nature has laid out for herself is a solid process. And when things interfere with it, as humans often do, yeah. then we have to deal with a breakdown in the process. Right. And, and one way or another, somewhere along the line, we're going to pay a price for that sort of thing. Yeah. Or another. Oh, I just thought of that 
not the Deborah Harry one way or another, but I thought mm -hmm. no, the Billy Joel oh, somewhere yeah. on the line. Do you remember that? I do. Right on the line. Yeah, I love that song. I love the piano in that song. Mm -hmm. Hard song to play. Or for me, it was. <laughs> well, I, I went down to uh, pay my fuel bill today down on the river. Yeah. I'm telling you, the French broad is up, up, up after yeah. that bell spade of rain. And it was so funny because I walked in and it's, a, you know, the same secretary that is there every time I go in there. And I laughed and I said, you know, people will say to me, oh, I don't know, French broad doesn't seem like very much of a river. And I just <laughs> laugh and think, well, you, you, you ain't seen it the way we're seeing it today. Yeah, and it just makes me laugh at the you know, there's this thing along the river. There's a park along the river. There's the, and it, you know, periodically that thing's going to be underwater and you just need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you do. And just be ready for it. And don't be surprised. Have your camera ready. That's what I think. I yeah. get photographs, you know, I used to have this rock that I would go to up on the parkway when I, it was West area. And, uh, it had a really beautiful view and had one of them big old flat rocks that kind of roll down the hills every now and then. And then they'll yeah. stay there for a thousand years and then they'll roll down a little further, you know, big old rock. And I used to sleep on it because I don't know why, but I love sleeping on rocks like that. Big old rocks. They get warm from the sun. Yeah. So I you just like a big old snake. Well, yeah. Oh, I must have told this story. Yeah. Because because. Uh, I used to go there and nap, and I went there, really good restorative sleep. I went there one day with my camera, and there was a great big old snake right there where I usually had my head. And I said, well, bye-bye, <laughs> I'll miss you, <laughs> but I'll never lay on you again. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm not scared of snakes, but I, I'm not going to get up in there. You know, I think I shouldn't do that. So <laughs> that's not too bright. So. Well, I, I always I love to tell the story of uh, the coalition of earth religions has adopted a section of uh, city street mm -hmm. and we were doing a cleanup one time and it was just the opposite of the way it would be with most any other other organization. But somebody yelled snake and everybody in the group ran towards them instead of away from them <laughs> going, what kind is it? Is it big? I want to see it. Let me see it. <laughs> that's funny that is funny <laughs> and somebody was telling me the other day I had a meeting with somebody and they said they had run into this little bitty brown snake that was so cold so cold and I said you know that we call them town snakes because they're so adjusted to living with people but they look like a little bit like baby copperheads and so people will put them in jars and and try to, you know, make sure they're okay. I hope they don't kill them. But they just, you know, they they sneak out because they're little. Yeah. They can sneak out when it's just marginally a warm day. Yeah. And, you know, catch them something to eat and go back to, go back to dozing. Um, and uh, she said, oh, no, this poor little thing was so cold. I picked it up and I just held it in between my two palms until it warmed up <laughs> enough that it started wiggling a little bit. And then I put it down. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that nothing happened that could have, but 
it's probably what they call a decays round snake. That's exactly what it was. And they, out at the nature center, the the guy out there said that they're often referred to as town snakes because you find them in town all the time. Is that the that's is that the kind of snake that you found that y'all put in the mason jar and yes. found it, <laughs> it was a town snake. A town snake. Well, I I don't know. I, they also have these little. They call them earthworm snakes, but they're well, snakes, I haven't seen but one they're, Yeah, they're like night crawlers, really, but night crawlers with a mouth that you know looks like a a snake's mouth, I guess. But I've I've never seen one of those. They look a little yeah. I think they stay underground most of the time. But those little decayed snakes, they're everywhere. Everywhere. They are. And when my daughter was a little, because I was determined she wasn't going to be afraid of that kind of stuff, she referred to them as little heads. Mama, mama, it's a little head. Oh, no. That's so cute. Well, I don't think I really talked about them much around the females in my house because I quickly learned that they were scared to death of snakes. They didn't like them. They didn't want me to like them. And if I if I also learned that if I told them the snake was in a certain place, that they didn't want me to go to that place anymore because snakes were there. Well, so and if they go, could get to that place, they'd get the damn hoe and go out and take care of the snake. Well, I believe that most of the time they'd just get who whatever man was around to go and take care of them they or whatever they might have taken care of them themselves but all i knew or all i cared about as a young kid was i'm not going to tell the women because they don't like them and they'll make me stay away from them and you know i didn't want to do that unless i decided to i was a little bit headstrong i don't know no no were you <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> And I, but, but I did learn that it was usually safe to tell one of the men in the family that they'd tell me about the snake then. So I quickly learned, I mean, I did, I quickly learned who to talk to, who would just tell me what to do about that snake. If it was an okay snake or if it was potentially a poisonous snake or whatever. Because, you know, in the winter, it just, the air feels dry and yeah. kind of dusty. I've been trying to do some cleaning. So my house is visibly less dusty, but the air is probably more dusty. Hmm. You know, what I found was that if I, if I sweep and dust and I'm wearing one of those ugly COVID face masks. An, a nice N95? A nice N95, Yes. If I if I can discipline myself to do that, then I can get through dusting without sneezing, usually. Dusting or sweeping. I'm telling you, COVID was a terrible thing. But but to be introduced to the N95s and the other really good masks that are have other numbers attached to them, it's great. Because yeah. cause smelling other people's perfume doesn't doesn't make me sick. I just don't like it. I don't like you to wear powder and cologne and whatever, deodorant, all that stuff. It smells the same. Yeah. Oh, it just cloys me up. I can't stand it. Well, and when I, it. I wear a mask like that, I don't smell none of that stuff. Yeah. It's good. 
that is really good. And I, I, th I think about this, you know, some, some, some of these people go out and they've got on a deodorant that has a smell, some body powder with a different smell, some perfume with a smell, some shampoo with a smell, some conditioner with a smell. And if they're a man or whoever, whatever they've cut their hair off with uh, will have a smell. Their soap will have a smell. All of these fake smells show up. Every bit of every bit of makeup that you have has a sim has a smell, either on purpose or not. Still has a smell. Yeah. <laughs> so you really are kind of rude and loud about it. I think sometimes when you're just oh well, this is trendy. This is sophisticated or. Or I like the way this smells. Well, just because you like it doesn't mean everybody else is going to like it. That's exactly right. <laughs> Had a, a woman, and it was a sad story. She, she, this was a giant phone room. And it was one of my second jobs. And I was in my 20s. And this woman was in her 40s. And there was about 50, somewhere between 50 and 100 people in, in this one room. Okay. It's local too. I'll tell you where it is uh, af after we are not recording, but it was a well thought of business. Anyway, this woman would show up dressed to the nines every day and she eventually, well, she got reprimanded three times because she had an odor. And every time she would get reprimanded, she would she would tell me because she sat right beside me and I know she had an odor, but I liked this woman and I wasn't going to go tell the boss on her or anything. Um, and so I talked to her about it and she, it was, I don't know. She just was having some sort of chemical reaction to something. Mm -hmm. at what, she was so upset about it that she asked me to come to her home and have supper with her and see if it was her home. That was causing this because she would tell me, oh, I'm washing with I'm washing my clothes with this and I'm doing this and I'm taking this, this many showers and this and this and this and this. Huh. And I went to her home and had supper with her very nice family and her. And there was nothing out of the ordinary that I could spot except for her. And it was so evident and her family couldn't smell it I don't think they were nose blind to it but she eventually lost her job because of that and it wasn't because of any other thing because she was a great worker I felt so bad for her I well, really did terrible it must have been some kind of medical condition it it had to have been I've never really heard of it since then but I mean it had to be her having some sort of chemical reaction to something yeah yeah do you remember, since we're on this gross subject of people and their smells do you remember when <laughs> there, there was somebody having it was a woman she and she had was having surgery in california somewhere and when they opened her up they the people in the surgical room there passed out a couple of them died when they opened her up her body was producing some sort of chloride or chlorine or something that was oh, oh my god I, that was awful you don't remember that I, I don't that sounds like an episode of uh 
uh, emergency or one of those well, old shows. <laughs> spontaneous combustion. Oh, scary. I was scared of that. It was a thing, I thought. Uh, but I, I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody having spontaneously combusted after about 1979. Have you? No, we don't hear much about that anymore, but it, it's probably time for it to make a comeback. You think? You know, there, was a, there was a character in one of the Dickens novels, maybe Bleak House, that did that spontaneously combusted they didn't call it that obviously but yes i believe they did did they <laughs> i believe they did yeah i will look that up once once we're not doing this yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it i mean it's as far back as dickens and i'm sure it was before that too wow. yeah it scared me when i was a kid i was like oh no what what would happen they'll come in and it'll just be a chair and part of my shoe left right or my left hand or <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we're talking about woods before, and I've always loved woods, but I will tell you, being the, in the woods didn't scare me, but in the fall, when we had had a dry fall and all the leaves were down, I was always afraid of fire, and I still am. Yeah. I'm still very, very cautious about, so that when we had those bad fires this past, past fall, and it was so dry, oh my gosh, it was so dry. Yep. Uh, that still, I still have kind of trigger points about that. Don't just when it would get windy. Yeah. Yeah. Windy and uh, dry. And we lived in a wooden house surrounded with woods on three sides. So I would, and I've talked about this before when I would go to, go to sleep at night, they'd put me to bed. And if I could see orange out the window and orange glow, I just laid there all night looking to make sure it didn't come any closer. Mm. So that's not really being afraid of the woods necessarily, but it is, you know, that was a, that was a thing that could happen. That was growing up. And it obviously is still a thing that can happen. It, that's one way that technology is better and has helped us is in putting out fires. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give technology credit for that, but you and I were talking about AI and I know we talk about it all the time, but don't you think? And you're listening to us right now, damn you, AI. Well, what do you yeah, think about AI? That's what I think about you. <laughs> we're talking to it, but it's not talking to us right now. It's just That's taking it. Seems a little out of balance, doesn't it? But but what's interesting to me is how fast it went from, oh, uh, you and I are talking about, oh, it's coming, it's coming. We can tell that it's coming. We ate it, we ate it, we ate it, to... Man, it's everywhere. We just didn't realize it. It's already here. Been yeah. here, been here, done that. So yeah. we need to do the Appalachian attitude thing and figure out how we're going to work with it and come out of it on the other side. Yeah. So work with it or work around it. Yeah, that's where that's where I come in with the confusion because I got my friends on the one hand who are tech people and or mo a lot of them anyway and they're telling me all of these neat things that they can do now that yeah. actually do sound like they're helpful and and that's really intriguing to me because i am the girl who you know i really did want that robotic companion really did and now the possibility of having a robotic companion it, we've already got them they're just being kind of perfected now by practicing with us 
right if you will and so there's that part of me that's going cool and then the part of me that read dune or you name the other sci-fi books that it could have been uh that part of me is not nearly as thrilled about it right right um yeah i've got like you i've got a really good friend and he is all about ai oh it's going to be great it's going to change everything we're going to be able to to uh put all of the wisdom of the ages on you know onto a thumb drive and we will all have that but by then human beings are going to be so lazy and stupid that what good will the wisdom of the ages do you if you if you can't actually think we could put many things on a thumb drive now and we're not smart enough to know what the wisdom of the ages is to put on the thumb drive. All we can do is gather information. And the more information we have, I believe the easier it is to get confused about it. If you're human, if you're AI, the more information that you have, the more accurate you become. Mm-hmm. that's a huge difference. And so there's there's this part of me that says, well, they could easily overpower us and blah, blah, blah. And then there's this other part of me that says, well, if they are advanced, they're not going to want to overpower us. <laughs> no, they're going to they're gonna want to use us in whatever way they can. Maybe. And maybe they're just that's gonna, what... maybe they're not going to need us for anything. Yeah. You well, know, that might be true too. Maybe they're just going to go on to the mothership or something. We, d- I don't <laughs> know. I'd like to think that. <laughs> uh, when I said mothership, you were thinking Parliament Funkadelic, weren't you? You know, damn it, yes. <laughs> God. And I don't know if it's just, you know, I'm just in funky town today or what, but as soon as you said that, I went, the mothership, yes. You know? <laughs> Got a, a picture in your mind of Bootsy. Oh, <laughs> it is Bootsy, it. baby. You know it. Golly. You know, uh, he was quite a performer. I guess he still performs. Do you do you know? I mean Do you know I haven't I haven't heard, but yes, I'm I'm guessing so. I mean, those those old folks, they just keep on, keep on, keep on. Till they fall over. Booty Booty Collins is who we're talking about. Oh and, my goodness! Uh, what in the world could I say about Booty Collins? I I I adore him. I adore oh, him. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And now you know. Are you getting ready to look that up now? Because you know, I'm just on the phone. I can't look up and zoom at the and same he's time. Still, he's still out here. Yeah, he's still touring. It's Booty. That is so good. Yes. And I want to talk about that just for a minute. I want to talk about touring because there's this fun thing that is happening that I want to see more and more and more of. And that is the idea of a house concert. I love the idea of, you know, you, you have some drinks available for people. You might make up a couple of big trays of sandwiches, whatever. And you've got somebody who's touring through musician or musicians that are touring through. And you got enough room maybe in your house to squeeze in 20, 25 people and you make every one of them give you $10. Mm-hmm. And then that musician has enough gas to get them to the next place. And I love it. I, I love it. Too. Love it. 
I, I built a web website for a fella that was houseparty.com is what it was. And you know, there are musicians who only do house parties. Yeah. And, and current residents, we've talked about that. We, when we are out and really touring, which we will be fairly soon, I'd say, uh, when that happens, we are thinking about not doing bars and stuff so much, but doing mostly house concerts. If you're a patron of the arts, or you can be, let's put it that way, that's the way to do it. Get the band to your home, then you can control the atmosphere and the people yep. who show yep. up. And you make friends with the band and everybody wins. It, absolutely. And you get to have a great party with amazing entertainment. Yep. And, you know, I've done it a couple times and I charged a little bit of money. One time I did a whole dinner. I charged a whole bunch of money. But, you know, they, they will put they will pay for whatever you want them to pay for. And then, by God, you put out a tip jar and they'll fill that thing up full, too, because the experience of being that near a live performer is just it's amazing. Amazing. I know. So it's, I'm, just, I'm putting in I'm putting in my two cents for house concerts. House concerts is it or house parties, however you want to say it. However you want to say it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's I I think that a lot of musicians get a good start there. And me as a person, I you know, I've played a lot of bars and stuff like that. And they're fine. And I like festivals and I like bars and I like all of that. But I love house concerts. You get real memories and you get to get close to the people who like to listen to you and it's 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 nice. There is a gal who is a good friend of mine and she's got she always has her house concerts in the backyard. And, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, and she had a friend who is a carpenter who came out and built a stage in her backyard. That's and, terrific. Yeah, and, and it's just you don't even have to have anything close to that. I've no, also no, I've, uh -uh. I've had and been part of many house concerts that happened on porches in living rooms, just wherever, in the back side of somebody's office. Uh, it's a, and if you, go ahead. No, I'm a fan. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, and if you, um, if you get kind of into the circuit and who's traveling when, a musician will love you forever if they are traveling to a gig that's going to pay them really well. But golly, they sure would like to have one more little thing to do on the way. Yep. It, and they'll give you such a great concert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they actually will. You're exactly right about that. I've, and and just some of the the best music that I've ever heard in my life have been house concerts. Yeah, and so I've had great. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We went yeah. from Parliament Funkadelic to Bootsy Collins. We didn't talk about George Clinton, though. Oh, Did my goodness. What can you say? George George Clinton is is <laughs> he's an anti-hero for me because yeah he's, he's hilarious but I think it's funny but I don't want to be him uh mm -hmm. I, there was some reality show that he had on MTV or something like that where a whole bunch of people were in the same house together oh my gosh that's right that's been a while though hadn't it, it? Yeah, and you know I'm not a TV watcher, but I love me some Parliament Funkadelic, and I I watched that show a couple of times because George Clinton was in it, 
And the, the only thing I really remember is he, one morning he got up and he, he went to go get his breakfast and his breakfast was a big old bowl of Cheerios. And then he took, or not Cheerios, Fruit Loops, the really sweet Cheerios, you know, they're just sugar basically in a loop. And uh, takes, takes his big old box of it, pours it in a big old cake bowl, you know, and then he takes a bag of sugar. And just kind oh of, and then he puts some milk in it. And then he takes a couple of bites of this, this sugar on top of sugar. And he breaks a tooth off. Oh, um, yeah. I wonder why that happened. <laughs> oh my God. So he had to have tooth surgery or something or something along those lines. But <laughs> I'd seen him not too, not too long, not too far before the taping of that show I'd seen him on uh in Asheville and I think they came to the orange peel I think yeah they did they came to the orange peel that I'm was sure. yeah that well was, and we're, we're talking about funkadelic and and modern musicians and all of that but I'm telling you it's a long tradition of of music on the porch in Appalachia and it's one of our glories Oh, yeah. The idea that, um, okay, well, Saturday evening, we're going to be at so-and-so's house, and y'all just come on out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some coffee on. There's There was always coffee. There is always real strong coffee. Oh, yeah. You, sometimes there's alcohol, but sometimes not. Yeah. And and the um, people will bring, you know, little things to eat, like a little casserole or whatever. Somebody will bring a crock pot of beans or something. Yes, or chili, a big old thing of chili. And just play music and sing music and dance on the porch, all of that stuff. So yeah. it it comes naturally to us because we have such a big tradition of that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd love to go and do some of that myself. You know, here's what I'll say. I, I'll bet you that they're still making music in certain places around here that I have been before and if you'd be interested this summer we can go it used to I'd be love to do that then we we will now it'll be a drive well um, well I've got a couple of um, friends slash family out in Madison County oh. that will periodically say to me Saturday night we're gonna be at wherever whoever's house so you come on out we're gonna sing a little bit and, you know, I've just not been able to do it because I've either not been in town or I've been home for three days and I haven't even been able to get through all my damn laundry. So it's just... something um, I've got. Yeah, I've got a bunch of friends out there that do that. And uh, and our buddy Judy Rhodes. Oh, yeah. She's been saying lately, you need to come out. We need to play play some music and sing. That'd be good. So I want I want to put that in my not my to do list or my whatever that is bucket list or i just want to do it because i know it would give me pleasure yeah it makes me happy pleasure that's uh that stuff makes me happier than almost anything i can think of truth that's a truth i i love it so much it's not even funny it's like having a conversation without words when you're doing making music yeah. on the porch with people and it's yeah. it's also just i don't know it's just great. So yeah, I I encourage anybody, whether you're out in the country 
or in the city, go find the musicians that are privately playing. They usually sit in a circle because that way they can see each other or stand in a circle. And don't be surprised if there's not a lot of conversation. There'll be some music until they have to take a break for a minute or two. And even then, somebody's going to still be playing all the way through. So get your earballs ready, as they say, and go relax and enjoy yourself and and just just know that that entertainment is free. And it's some of the best stuff there is. It is. And it, it becomes then not entertainment, but just a, another rich part of your culture. Yeah, I guess so. It's like breathing. <laughs> yeah, but, if you don't do it, you're going to miss it. That's for sure. I still want musicians to get paid. Um, I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid because they should. They should. But sometimes it, with a whole gaggle of people together, they ain't there to entertain. They're just there to sing and play and yeah, feel but what that feels like. That's the stuff that they live for. Uh, so many times through the years, I've interviewed or read an interview or talked with a touring musician who's basically said, well, you know, we don't get paid to play on the stage. We get played to practice and to get in the car and drive and to set our instruments up and to break them down again. But the playing on the stage is the, the good things that we would have done for free. Yeah. So many times I've heard so many musicians say that a lot. Just And it's true. It is true. Well, my, my friend Suge that was here, uh, when was that? At the winter solstice. She said she was... She was grown up, I guess, and she realized that she could, for her profession, drive all over the place and play her music for her friends. And that's what she does. Mm -hmm. that's now, look at she it. gets paid pretty darn well because she's, <laughs> she's a hot ticket in the pagan community. But you can tell that when you go to a concert of hers that she's just there to play music for her friends and you are her friend. Yeah, if you're sitting, you might never not have known you, but now you're her friend. Yeah. I love that attitude. I do too. I do too, and I believe it's it's the way to do it. But right now, my attitude is practice, practice some more, practice a little more. Go go to record it. We're doing a lot of that, and uh, so that's kind of my attitude: is get ready, get ready, get ready. And it's been fun. That's I love to practice, uh, so it's a good thing for me. <laughs> well, and y'all, y'all are such a good crew. You're a fun group of people. We like each other. That's yeah, it. we'll, we'll never have a good VH1 episode or whatever. You know, behind the music. You remember that? That was yeah. episode where they talk about. Well, I threw a chair at his head, and then we made a Grammy award-winning album. And uh, yeah, we're never going to have that interview because we like each other. There's not enough drama. <laughs> <laughs> I threw a chair at him and then. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but we are at that stage where uh, people who've heard us for the first time, they pretty much always will say something along the lines of, wow, y'all have been playing together a long time. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Our, our, yeah, it's true. And that's fun for me. Well, I'll tell you what, I've enjoyed talking to you. We we need to 
find out what the other one's going to be cooking for supper. So, <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know, Wednesday is grocery store day, yeah. and y'all, we're recording this on a Wednesday. So I, I went in today. I saw a cooking show on Monday. And yeah. this woman, I watch the show all the time, Lydia. She's a little Italian woman. She cooked a beef roast with uh, carrots and taters and some other stuff. And when I went to the grocery store today, I, t I told Joe, we're going to get a beef roast. And he went, what? I uh -huh. said, yeah, you, you saw that thing on Monday with Lydia. Man, that thing, it was mouth watering. And I said, and do you remember the last time we had a beef roast? And he said, I, I don't. It's been at least a year since we've done that. Oh, wow. I said, and I said, it's going to cost the earth to buy a beef roast. It just is. But we will eat on that thing for a while. So I went into the grocery store and I looked around and looked around. And what got me started is the price of peas. So I was going to get some frozen peas because I'm out of them. Okay. And, and a little tiny, I bet it won six or eight ounces of peas was three and a half dollars. Wow. And I am not, the day has not come when I'm going to pay $3.50 for a damn bag of peas. And then I said, all right, it's time to get the beef roast. <laughs> so we got the beef roast. And I mean, it it wasn't obscene. It wasn't an obscene amount of money, but it was like $14. It was a lot. Well, you'll get a lot of meals out of it, though. You'll get a true. lot of meals out of it and a lot of uh, delight out of it because it's going to yeah. taste so good. Oh, yeah. And I got taters and got some fresh carrots and uh, some greens that I'm going to throw in around that yeah. thing and roast that sucker up. Woo! I, I went the opposite way with my roast a couple of weeks ago. Instead of doing the the carrots and potatoes i turned it into soup and all of that i did the yeah. mushroom gravy thing mm. oh it was good it was so good oh. i've got a big old ham bone in the freezer that i need to get on that but we're gonna have beef roast first and then we'll have a mm. ham soup yeah, then you get the you get the beef bone and you make all kinds of soup and stuff with that. Well, this is a shoulder roast, so it does not have a bone in it. Ooh, it's very nice. Well, yeah, it's very fancy. The assumption being that if you can afford one, you don't need the bone. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> the bone well, is so there for tonight, I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make some uh, sautéed cabbage. We're gonna have a big salad. Mm. Maybe have some uh, sausages in that sautéed cabbage. Mm. We've been trying to eat pretty healthy. It sounds like you are eating pretty healthy. Yeah, we've been pretty good about it. Wow. But I am going to sauté that cabbage in uh, bacon grease, so we ain't that healthy. That's all right, though. So, you know, I've got that, that choppy, that thing that chops for me. Yeah. I was counting the other day. I had a, a an entire thing of celery. And then I had an entire two big onions and I chopped them up into tiny little, tiny little pieces in less, in less than five minutes with that thing. Oh my gosh. You just, your mama it, done good. She did. And it didn't hurt my hand or anything. I don't even know what you call that, but she got it on QVC. Oh. Yes. And so anyway, it's not like a, 
pampered shell. I don't think it was all that expensive is what I'm saying. There are some things out there that are super expensive that will do the same thing, but this wasn't, and it was, it's like a little lawnmower. <laughs> because you just go, Ning! and it, there you go. You just I jump like it. Yeah. Um, how's let's she see. doing? How's she doing? Just she's doing really good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's doing real good. As as far as I can tell, she's been working on house projects and she's found a phone now that she likes and just all kinds of just you know, just mom stuff. That's great. <laughs> yep. Yep. She's uh She's uh, getting used to the idea of of having a device that will help her out, like a like a you know like a device like you and me talk about. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's that's been something I didn't know if she would ever get used to it or not. But she she appears to be ready. So yay! That is great. Yeah, I'll be setting her up probably in the next week or so. So yep yep. Um, I'll be wanting to hear all about it. Yeah, well, you will, I'm sure. So you know, I'm her, I'm her biggest fan. <laughs> I've never met your mother, but I'm her big fan. Well, she she knows that you exist in the world. She does. Mm -hmm. I, I I speak to her all the time, and I'll mention your name. You know, she knows that the cottage exists and all of that. Um, yeah, she definitely does. She may not know every detail about you, but, you know. <laughs> who does and who would want to? Well, oh. I get that. I, I yeah, who, who does? Nobody knows every detail about you or you wouldn't. No, and yeah. you, I'm telling you, you wouldn't want to. It's not very interesting. I'm not very interesting. Well, I don't know why you say that because you. Because are, it's true. Well, to you, because you're you and you're used to you. <laughs> So I interrupted you when you were saying what you're going to make for supper tonight. You chopped up onions and. No, no, I have no idea what I'm going to make. That's why I wanted to hear what you were going to make. Oh, well, when in doubt, I just saute everything in a little bit of olive oil. <laughs> and then, then throw, throw something, piece of meat on it, right? Well, sometimes, sometimes I don't just, it just depends on my mood. Hmm. Well, I'm just, I'm not sure. I've got, I may make turkey salad. Because I've got a turkey breast in there that I made the other day. Oh, yummy. They make some turkey salad tonight and let that be supper. I'm well, and I've got people coming over for a meeting at five o'clock from my neighborhood. Oh, okay. So I need to either feed Joe beforehand or have everything ready to feed him. Because yeah. I don't, it's not going to last long. We're going over the, the year long calendar and deciding meetings and stuff. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, okay. Well, keep me posted on all of it um, if you want, and we'll figure something out. Yes, um, and let's uh, give a shout out to our weirdlings. Oh, yes. They're they doing do. pretty good, it seems like. I think so. I haven't spoken to a lot of them very, very much in the last couple of weeks, not as much as I usually do anyway. Um, so I hope everything's fine. I'm sure it is. I may, uh, I I, the, I may put a cat dog photo in there. Hey, good idea. Yeah, that I took it. I, I instantly thought about them 
and I don't really know why, except that the weirder the picture, the more I think of them, I guess. I, they would understand the picture. Uh, I but, thought of them today because it is uh, National Peculiar People's Day. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, I tell you, us and the weirdlings, are a, we are a group of very peculiar people. We are, but we are capable. Just like yes, we are. we are. By golly, we are capable. We are tough and resilient. We are tough and resilient. So we're kind of all honorary Appalachia, even if we're not Appalachia. It's yeah, attitude. some of us aren't. Mm -hmm. Some of us are. Anyway, I love all oh. of them. <laughs> well, you take care of yourself, Mrs. Yes, and you. And, um, I will. Um, um, this week. Uh, I, 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 I may actually do that because I ain't going to be up to my hoo-hoo in working my behind off. Well, there's stuff we can do and places we can do. Wait. Stuff I love you. And the idea. <laughs> All right. Y'all yeah, be good. I'll see you soon. Bye. Yeah, because I still got your Christmas present, Miss. I'm looking Hey, thank you for spending your time with us here at Weird Mountain Gals. We sure do appreciate it. You know, I know time is the most important thing we have, so I promise that if you take your time to listen to us, we'll take our time to continue to be weird. Many thanks to Sunslice Records for all the help. We couldn't do it without you, Craig. Check out our social media for information, community, or a few laughs. WYRD Mountain Gals.